As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Specters! Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Sam, a good buddy, and Seven the Legend. What's up, Sam? How's it going? It is going well. It's been a really long week for me. I don't know about you, but I mean, Emerald City Comic Con mm. was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was amazing. We, I guess we haven't spoken since I went. No, uh, no. To give you a perspective of how large that thing is, on one day... Just on one day when I went and I and I, I spent around from 10, I think, 1030 maybe until about seven. Yeah, okay. until about seven. It's full day. Yeah. I walked eight, eight miles. Holy moly. Wow. <laughs> Just inside the convention center. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was gorgeous. That. Yeah. Yeah. You it was beautiful. That. I got got to meet Jennifer Hale. Yeah, I saw I saw uh, the picture. I saw that. Yeah. That was awesome as well. Uh, I got a photo op where I look like the biggest nerd in the world and she looks awesome. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you had a good time and we'll have to catch up about that. But today we're talking more about Morden. This is the second half of our Morden conversation. We've got a bunch of clips pulled up for you, a bunch of interesting stuff to go over. So uh, let's let's get into this, Sam. Last time we we got into more and we kind of started talking about that, about him specifically trying to get in his head a little bit. And you uh, you mentioned that Morden went through a bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, that's right. Because if you remember when we were talking about Morden, we were talking about how before the games, he gets this confrontation with this female Krogan while he's trying to deploy the modified genophage. Right, right. And it sparks this question within him, am I really doing the right thing right now? 
uh, because he had this he had all these models and simulations and abstract ideas about the genophage and and how it is their solution to make sure that that Krogan don't endanger themselves and everyone else. And then he meets Krogan in real life. And all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like the models and simulations suggest. And he gets hurt. He gets very badly wounded. And who's taking care of him other than Malin, the same assistant who we later meet in Mass Effect 2. And Malin says back then, you know, are you sure? I thought that uh, in science, risk was necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it turns his words back against him. Right. Right. And and risk being the risk of letting the Krogan self-govern, self, I can't remember the term right now, but determine their own future. Right. Right. And... So this this is the seed of his identity crisis. And so he begins questioning the very core of that decision. One, on the surface, he still defends staunchly from Mass Effect 2, uh, even in Mass Effect 2, rather. And after his work on the genophage, he retires. Granted, he was old for Solarians at the time, but I think that there's more to it. Uh, you know, because by the time it had completed, the team went their separate ways. Uh, Morden himself, um, he defends that decision as being, you know, the very, the very typical uh, "we had no other option" kind of way. Um, but even he admits during Mass Effect Two that he found some of the ethics disturbing. Right. And he, uh, in a very, very enlightening part of a conversation, he reveals that he has a little bit of of. Uh, religious nature to him and it's sometimes contradictory and it has led him to have this uh crisis of faith which when we think of a very devoted research scientist faith is not often a term that comes to mind uh so yeah it's just um for him it's shocking i think especially if you read the comic and then you play mass effect 2 but in mass effect 2 during his loyalty mission Morden is once again confronted with these consequences, albeit unintended ones, of his work on the genophage. He sees a dead female Krogan, and he becomes very strangely spiritual. Sterile werelock female willing to risk procedures. Hoped for cure. Pointless. Pointless waste of life. I didn't expect you to be disturbed by the sight of a dead Krogan. What? Why? Because of genophage work? Irrelevant. No. Causative. Never experimented on live Krogan. Never killed with medicine. Her death not my work. Only reaction to it. Goal was to stabilize population. Never wanted this. Can see it logically. But still unnecessary. Foolish. Waste of life. Hate to see it. I didn't think you'd had much direct contact with things like this. Did you come to Tachanka after dropping your plague? Yearly recon missions. Water, tissue samples. Ensure no mistakes. Superiors offered to carry it on. Refused. Need to see it in person. Need to look. Need to see. Accept it as necessary. See small picture. Remind myself why I run a clinic on Omega. Rest, young mother. Find your gods. Find someplace better. I didn't expect spirituality from you, Morden. Genophage modification project altered millions of lives, then saw results. Ego, humility, juxtaposition, frailty of life, size of universe. Explored religions after work completed. Different races. No answers. Many questions. 
Sounds like you were trying to deal with your guilty conscience. The doctor who killed millions. Modified Genophage Project, great in scope. Scientifically brilliant. But ethically difficult. Krogan reaction visceral, tragic. Not guilty, but responsible. Trained as doctor, Genophage affects as fertility. Doesn't kill. Still, caused this. Hard to see big picture behind pile of corpses. So we start to see a turn. Yeah, and for lack there of a better term, an element of humanity. Uh, and celerinity. Celerinity. Hmm. Okay. Sounds legit. Let's go with that. We'll go with that. If you press him on the justification that he gives, he will defend it, saying it was necessary, and he argues that curing the genophage would lead to chaos on Tuchanka under the premise that they cannot govern themselves. This whole idea of self-determination again coming up. Mm -hmm. And then he says, no unified culture to support repopulation. Right. That he can see. Right, right. There's yeah, no that's true. Culture. That's true. That's true. He yeah, he is not all knowing. He's just And he also spends very little time among Krogan. Right. Right. This is one of those things that like <laughs> we talk about real world parallels, but I feel like a lot of times the people who decide that they know better than other people also don't spend a whole lot of time with those people. Morden is practicing something that we call uh in our own history for hundreds of years the white man's burden. Right. Yeah. This idea that like what Morden is practicing. Right. The idea that the majority knows better for the minority, even if they don't even spend any time or get to know any of them personally. And going back further in the 1800s, you know, I forget the name of the uh, uh, council that was brought together to basically determine the fate of the African nations. Yeah. Yeah. And guess who wasn't invited to the table? Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Who wasn't invited to the table? The actual Um, African nations they were talking about. Yeah. Right. And and so I'm getting a heavy vibe of of this from Morden right now uh, that, yeah, basically we know better. Uh, But he's confronted with a dead body in front of him and with as much posturing and ideology that he claims is supported by models and simulations and numbers. Uh, even with that, you know, this is a byproduct of his own work on keeping the genophage around. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not, um, one of the fetuses that was never, that never, uh, made it to viability, but it is someone who died trying to fix what he did. Right. Right. And then he has the idea that he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to. That he had a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's confronted with these concrete consequences versus the abstract what if, the dynamic, the simulations that he always, always brings up in this justification. It's like he touched grass. <laughs> <laughs> he got out of the lab and he touched grass <laughs> he for went, once. He yeah. went out and touched the grass and realized, oh, this is what the real world is actually like, not a simulation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, granted, data is always going to be better than anecdotal evidence. Uh, oh, sure. I, sure. I, yeah. There are tears of tears to that. But then there's also the whole personal connection to the thing that you're actually studying and, and being able to not see it. It's good to see data objectively. But when we're talking about human beings or cultures or races, when it comes to Mass Effect, getting to know them on a personal level is still another data point that you can't simulate through other 
means of accumulating data. Right. And if you're not if you're not willing to look the consequences of your actions in the eye, don't try to defend your con- your actions as saying they were right. 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 Um, so he's very prideful of his work uh, and he does look the consequences of his actions in the eye. Uh, we get the idea that he's debating this sense of morality, but he's still prideful. He's still holding on to that in Mass Effect 2. And with that comes this sense of responsibility he feels. And this clip that I uh, have quoted off for us, I think, does a good job in in explaining this sense of personal responsibility he feels. Not easy. Sometimes wish I wasn't as intelligent. Choice would have fallen on someone else. Not my problem. Fools wish. Had to be me. Others might have gotten it wrong. I wish I wasn't sometimes I sometimes wish I wasn't so intelligent. God, yeah, I wish I wasn't so fucking smart. Right. This is this is I mean, it's a double edged sword, though, because yeah. uh, like on the one hand, it's 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 one thing to I mean, it sounds like a humble brag, but there are definitely times in different people's lives when they're very good at something or they're just blessed with certain kinds of qualities. And those qualities do come back and bite them. And it's difficult to be in somebody like Morden's situation and be like, you know, sometimes I wish I just wasn't so smart because well, then I wouldn't and, and have had to deal with it, which is a legitimate thing. How cerebral he is. Like yeah. he doesn't understand that that is a humble brag by right. saying and, that. And I don't know that he's trying to like uh, it, a humble brag is often in a situation where you're trying to like in some ways pat yourself on the back in front of somebody who you want to impress or what. Right. 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 And in this situation, he's just leveling with, with Shepard as a peer, right? That's as, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's, he doesn't mean it as a humble brag and he doesn't even subconsciously not mean it as a humble brag. Like it's neither of those things. I think in this situation, it's him speaking openly about things that he can't control about himself and how that led him to a terrible situation. And yeah, and sometimes and a lot of times those things are terrible mostly but sometimes they're good things you know like i wish i wish i you know hadn't been able to earn that much money because i would have spent it more wisely or you know like those kinds of things right but i think the truly ironic part of this is and yes i do think he's being sincere but i also think the truly ironic part is that morden is the prototypical genius scientist who is too prideful to accept what he doesn't know Right. Yeah, there's there's definitely an element of pride in there, too. Um, And what's so cool about human and the way this is written and human personalities is that it's a big stew of lots of different things. And just because you're you have one feeling and you're you exhibit one personality trait doesn't mean that you can't also have another one, even if they don't seem like they're complementary or they may even make sense together because human minds are complex and solarian minds too right are complex things so it's 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 an interesting statement that i think can be interpreted wrong but i think in this sense mm. like what you're saying is is he he's genuine about it he, the point of the statement isn't i'm so smart the point of the statement is woe is me for a condition i could not control yeah i think he's I think he's lamenting and saying, like, I wish I could be dumber. I wish I could just tune these things out and be ignorant to the consequences of my actions right. and not consider them. Right. Or I, I um, wish I wish I hadn't been the kind of person who was chosen for this role. 
Yeah. I mean, that's uh, kind of what he's saying. As Blood Dragon here in chat mentions, yes, Morden is, even among the Salarians, one of the quickest and one of the smartest. Mm -hmm. So he really is that smart. Um, and yet, like I said, his his pride, his ideology stands in the way of that which he could not see because he was already closing himself off to other variables because he he was so confident in the models and the simulations he had already seen about self-determination and the Krogan. Right. But now we're seeing a little chink in that armor. And so we, we see that and we, we hear this internal battle with Morden where he's not quite willing to totally lose face yet. Uh, and then we see his conversation with Malin, the old assistant that he told in science risk necessary. And we meet him later in this loyalty mission. We find out he's the one that's behind these terrible experiments to try to cure the genophage. Sorry, how was I supposed to disagree with the great Dr. Solis? I was your student. I looked up to you. Experiments performed here. Live subjects, prisoners, torture and executions. You're doing? We've already got the blood of millions on our hands, Doctor. If it takes a bit more to put things right, I can deal with that. If it takes a bit more to put things right, I can deal with that. In science, risk necessary. Yeah, yeah. And again, he is throwing his teachings back in Mor in Morden's face. Um, and I like seriously, this is masterfully written. <laughs> I think a lot of people like see fiction writing or other kinds of writing and stories and think oh, i could do that i'm going to be first to tell you all i could never do this <laughs> <laughs> everything seems easier before you actually try to do it everything does it it's just human nature yeah i seriously bravo for the recurring themes um it just plays out so beautifully but we hear from malin who's guilt tripping Morden basically and saying, you know, Malin is also absolving himself of responsibility, but he's saying you taught me to do it because the ends justify the means. Uh, it's just that we dis we disagree on what the ends should be. Mm -hmm. And um, now he's using, you know, this exact phrase against Morden in the exact same kind of situation about the genophage. But Morden disagrees because of the torturous methods and death. So is yeah. Morden justified? Because Morden still, Morden still believes that ends justify the means. Just it's on the other end. It's just on the other end of the spectrum. Right, right. There's, you also have a character arc by this point. The the Morden who would have justified the work previously was a different person who had different experiences, and since then the experiences have begin to, begun to change him. But even back then, I don't know if Morden would feel okay about these torturous experiments and, and death along the way to curing the genophage, despite how he felt about the goal. Right, right. I guess it's, it's different to imagine it in your mind than it is to see it. And uh, the definition of torture could be very different in different circumstances, right? The torturous thing that they might be doing to a Krogan in front of them in order to do some sort of experiment could be very different from the torture a parent feels in losing another child again and again and again. Those are both torturous, but they're different kinds of feelings. So you're saying that maybe the exposure to this environment and the actual subject population has given more than a level of empathy. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, when you see it in front of your face, it's one thing. To imagine the outcry of a billion people because of something that you worked on 
but they're not in front of you is very different than seeing a person in front of you have to deal with torture and pain and those kinds of things. It, it, there's there's a thing in our in human nature, and I can't talk about Solarians, but in human nature, there are mirror neurons in our brains. And on top of that, we are we are cultured and civilized in a way where we really only can empathize with certain ranges of people around us. You've got yourself and then your close family unit and then your close friend group and then the kinds of people that you interact with regularly, your acquaintances, the people you work with, all of that. And those numbers get up in about the 50s or 60s or something like that. They've done some studies on this. But once you start going beyond those numbers, People just become figures. They become they become numbers. They're no longer people. And so mm. to imagine a terrible thing that you're going to do to a million people, it doesn't feel the same way as the terrible thing you're going to do to that one person who's right in front of you right in that moment. It feels different. Mm. And being that Morden is constantly in a lab, I can't imagine that he even had that big of a circle to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, philosophy and his sound arguments, do you think that Morden is is justified in taking this stance against Malin? Um, I think that he, I, <laughs> I mean, his work also caused countless stillbirths. Sure, but he can also have learned from that by this point and be willing to make a different decision here. But we, but we don't know that he actually disagrees you know what i mean with his previous work because he just justified it to us we know that he's struggling with it we know that he's somewhere in the path to to uh dealing with it right there's even even if you're let's say you have to go 10 let's say you you do a terrible thing right and then let's say you have to get 10 steps to the point where you finally turn about face and you go you know what the thing i did was the wrong decision i'm gonna i'm gonna try to make up for it right that's that's the character arc even if he's only two or three steps into that path and isn't able to justify it or say it out loud or actually make a different decision yet, he's still in a different location than he was at the beginning. Mm. I, I think maybe this is, is, is showing the development as it's happening with before he's actually gotten to the final destination. Well, there's another clip uh, here from this same conversation, and it happens just a little bit later, and I think it reveals a little bit more about what you're just talking about, Morden's arc. You honestly think the experiments you did here are justified? We committed cultural genocide. Nothing I do will ever be justified. The experiments are monstrous because I was taught to be a monster. Morden, did you ever perform experiments like this? No, never taught you this, Malin. So your hands are clean. What does it matter if the ground is stained with the blood of millions? You taught me that the end justified the means. I will undo what we did, Professor. The only way I know how. So there's like, you can see that there's a distance between the two. And Morden is still able to stand a little bit, you know, away from him and say, well, I didn't tell you to do this. Hmm. And yeah, then he's like, go that far. And he's like, yeah, but we've got the blood of millions on our hands. Like, what's what's a little bit more? It's basically his justification. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's a pretty crappy justification on Malin's part. And I think it's hard for anyone to justify and align align with Malin at this point, because you're literally there. You're in the level. You're seeing these dead bodies. Right. 
but that also makes it easier to align with Morden's justification, as I have heard players do before. I have actually heard Mass Effect players say, I don't blame Morden for thinking the way he did about the Krogan will just destroy themselves and everyone else if we let them breed unchecked. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people align with that because it is this abstract argument, uh, right? And he is supposed to be the very smart person, but how much of his justification is mere speculation? Right. Right. I mean, it's 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 educated guesses. Sure. It's based off of simulated simulations and models, but it's speculative. Right. Yeah. You still can't get to the absolute truth of what exactly will happen. You can only approximate it. Um, This is why this is a good dilemma is because there are justifications in both directions. If you if you were to make a decision about something you were going to do with your future and you gathered all the data you possibly could, you asked all the wisest people, you know, and the answer came back the same thing every time and then you did it and then you regretted it. Right. You would yeah. you'd have the same justification of like, well, I still couldn't have predicted everything. It would be the classic um, road road not taken by Robert Frost. Absolutely. And, and you Absolutely. know, a lot of people actually think that that poem is about take walking the road less traveled, but it's not. That poem is yeah. actually about regretting no matter which road you took, you're going to regret the road you didn't. To make a decision is to not make every other possible decision. Yes. This is a philosophical dilemma that some people, once they realize, is sometimes freezes them in, in place. I remember for me as a young man, I had a very hard time deciding what I want to do with my future because I realized as soon as I made any choice, it cut out all the other options. And I, I think wasn't the kids call it FOMO. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. But the the dilemma is actually more complex than that, because by not making a decision, you're still cutting out all the options. You have to make a decision and you have to move forward with it the best you can. And that's where we are with what Morden is facing here. Something had to be done. And by not doing anything, then something would have happened. So they did did a thing thinking that that might be better in the long run. But both things would lead to mass death, according to the information that they had at the time. So that it was, you know, which which one do you pick? Yeah, it's it's certainly, you know, arguable in court. I'll say that. Right. Yeah. Morden's yeah. actions, 100 percent defensible in court. Um, <laughs> however, this isn't the end of the interaction there between Malin and Morden and Shepard there at the at the end of that loyalty mission. How are you doing? Should have killed him. Wanted to. Easier than listening. Easier for him, too. Experiments indicate how far he's fallen. Expected it from Krogan. Not one of mine. Maybe you'll remember that the next time you're discussing the ethics of the genophage. Yes. So many variables. Stress responses. Impossible to truly predict. Something to think about. Malin's research, only loose end, could destroy it. Closure, security. Still valuable, though. This is the research that included tests on living victims. It's tainted. Right now, victims died for nothing. Keep it, use it. Death's worth something. Malin's work could cure genophage. Don't know. Effects on Krogan, effects on galaxy. Too many variables. Too many variables. You regret what the Krogan have become. You see the horror of what they did here, but you see the loss, too. 
Wasted potential. They don't deserve this, Morton. So we'll pause it there. It goes on a little bit. But, um, yeah. Yeah, too um, many variables. Too many variables, right? Analysis uh, paralysis, right? Um, but we also hear pain in his voice because he because he owns what more what Malin's did or what Malin has done rather. Malin's training was partially up to Morden, and I think Morden feels that he himself failed. Although some slight racism when he says expected this of Krogan, not of Malin, not yeah, of one of my own. Sure, right. Um, yeah, and so. So save the data or not, that's basically what this choice is when you're talking to Morden right here. Which would Morden choose without Shepard's guidance is my question. Without Shepard, because it's totally up to what Morden or what, what Shepard, you know, pushes Morden to do. Mm-hmm. Save the data from Malin's experiments or not. But I have, and this is a highly speculative question. We'll never have an actual answer to this, but it's fun to think about. Given what we know about Morden, what do you think he would do if Shepard wasn't around to to give that guidance? Yeah, well, I think his we hear some of his justification. Let's make the deaths worth something. And that's that's his go to response is make the deaths worth something. Let's at least use the data is what he's saying. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he's pragmatic. Right. Uh, And well, and and there's some guilt there. I may have. I may have led, you know, I may have (laughs) unintentionally led Malin to do these terrible things. So I'm kind of guilty in, you know, in a chain. So let's at least make it worth something. Yeah, let it let it not be in vain. Um, So and I do think that it's interesting to point out Morden took issue with Malin's methods, not his goal. Right. Oh, yeah. It was the methods. Absolutely. Yep. It wasn't the goal. Nope. I mean, nope. the the real thing that pissed off Morden and the the thing that led Morden to put a gun up to Malin's chin was the methods that he used. Right. Um, right. So it, that and and that's, by the way, up to the player again, whether or not you can save Malin. My neutral shepherd, as I told you, I have been missing every interrupt. So my <laughs> neutral shepherd did not take the Paragon interrupt. First time I've ever done that in any playthrough. Uh-huh. Morden pulls a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And then Malin falls down dead and that's that. And you're everyone watching my stream had the same reaction. It was pretty, a pretty unified, like good Lord. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> right? it was like, whoa, dude. It was come on, man. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little Biden reference. Um, but it was it was a little off the wall for Morden. Um, but, you know, anyway, I just wanted to do that that question, that thought experiment, because he was just defending the genophage. So why would he want to save the data on curing it? And I think it speaks to how complex of a, of a, of a person. B- because da- is. data is data. Like, I, I think uh, f- for as much pride as he has and uh, un- like underlying racism and, and these kinds of problems he has as a, as a person, he respects data. He is a scientist and I'm married to a scientist. One of the things a lot of people get wrong when they critique most scientists is that they they get their minds in one direction and they ignore anything that is against the thing that they're trying to prove. 
And that is the exact opposite of what the majority of scientists are doing. That's what the general public does. That's what you and I are more likely to do than a scientist is we have some goal in mind, some some thing we want to point out, some something I want to prove to you. And then I'm going to go cherry pick the evidence in order to make my case. This is what people do with the Internet all the time. This is what people people do with politics all the time. Right. Scientists are more likely to say, no, give me the data that contradicts the thing. Because that gives that helps me understand it more completely so I can get to the actual truth. That's the goal. It's not quantitative. It's more qualitative. But, you know, in my industry, in journalism, we have a similar thing. It's, it's, it's the, the same, same kind idea. of thing. Yes. Um, yes. Don't write the story before you go out there. Right. Find uh, the evidence and then let the evidence tell you about what's actually what the story happening. is. Right. Yes. Right. And not every journalist does that, by the way. No, no, not only. No. And, and many of them are <laughs> have been proven to, uh, you know, uh, you know, under court, uh, you know, uh, being arguing lying, that aligned to the public. So uh, that, yeah, that's yeah. a thing that happened recently. Exactly. And they yeah. argue that, you know, well, no reasonable person would find me to be news anyway. Moving on. Um, yeah, there is that. <laughs> Yeah, but and it, and it's on a smaller scale than that too. Sometimes even the best journalists have preconceived notions Absolutely. of what a story is going to be. It's human because nature. They've covered that kind of story so many other times before, mm-hmm. and sometimes even the best journalists miss little details that change everything. Right. It's actually um, tied to I, I believe it's tied to our psychology and our evolution. Like if every time you've seen a tiger in the wilderness, the tiger tries to eat you, you're going to assume the next time you see a tiger that it's going to try to eat you. Right. You're not going to give it the benefit of the doubt. That's what keeps us alive in more subtle contexts where there's a lot more going on or more complex situations. The things that we draw conclusions to aren't always the case. So it's something you have to be aware of that everybody does it and we just have to be aware of it in ourselves. So if the. If the ends in, are, in his opinion, something that will save more lives, I think he's willing to forget the means. And uh, is I, I think in this situation, he wouldn't be willing to read to do the same thing again. But since it already happened, you might as well make use of the data. Right. Which is why I have a question about, you know, I know you studied this. Would you say that Morden is a utilitarian? Yes. Yes. He. I'm trying to think through. I don't want to agree to something and be like, well, in this context, he's not uh, in in these kinds of contexts. Yes. But he's also a utilitarian who sees things through the specific lens of what is beneficial to the Solarians. Not necessarily what is beneficial to everybody or the Krogan specifically. Right. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's utilitarian with a specific goal in mind. I don't. Yeah, I think he has his own version of the categorical imperative, right? Um, yeah. Some yeah. philosophy nerd terminology right. for those who get I it. I hate Kant. Um, I don't like Kant at all. <laughs> Let's not talk about Immanuel Kant. Okay, so <laughs> somebody out there is going, "Oh my God, they just brought up Immanuel Kant." You can always count on another. That's not even pop culture. <laughs> That's just <laughs> ph- philosophical reference, philosophicology. There we go. And then we save the galaxy with Morden, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think his time with Shepard really changes him, even in a short time, which, by the way, it's a very short time frame between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, shorter to before we meet him in the games, it wasn't that long of a time. But you have to keep in mind, Solarians live very short lives. They have very th- fast thought processes. They have very fast emotional processes, too. So they grieve very fast. 
they get over things very fast and they process things very fast, whereas it might take a human being decades to come to this conclusion that they made a wrong choice. Morden is mulling it over within a couple of years, I think. Yeah. That's and right. he continues to see the, the effects of his work in real life. He's no longer protected by the Solarian STG bubble where he's where he's just surrounded by that kind of echo chamber he's working with a crew of all these different races together on a joint mission in mass effect 2 including krogan and this is very key because we know according to studies and i have anecdotal evidence in my own my own experience the, the kinds of people my wife works with are from international different locations across the world and when people are in mixed culture groups they are more empathetic to all humans because they get to know people from lots of different backgrounds and they realize that we're way more similar than they are. We are different. That's true. That's very true. So I think and that's I think what he's going through here. I think you're right. I, I, um, I grew up in a very uh, cosmopolitan area from like the time I was born till the time I was about 10. Then I moved to the Midwest where it was a lot more homogenous. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then, you know, in college, I tutored English as a second language and I have constantly surrounded by myself with people who are different from me. Um, and I think that that has resulted, at least I'd like to think that that has resulted in a higher level of empathy. But by the time Mass Effect 3 rolls around, we learn Morden was the informant that led Shepard to Sarkesh, where the female Krogan is being held. Uh, he's the one who arranged for their release, and I think that's indicative of a major change of heart in Morden. Yeah, so we're getting there. But we're going to take a break. we got to go thank our patrons, and we will be right back to talk more about Morden. Don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons for being so awesome and welcome our newest patron, Cam29. Welcome to the Patreon. And we're going to shout out all our Shepherd tier patrons, Kolkashins, Edboy, Aaron J, Kira C, Lieutenant Ticino, uh, that Spectre J, and William. Thank you so much to all of you and all 70 of our current patrons for helping to support the show, keeping things going, and getting all the cool stuff you can get from joining the Patreon. If you're interested in checking that out, patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. It's easy to remember. Just go check that out or look in the show notes or whatever. There's all sorts of different ways to get there, or you can just Google it. And we've got some new, uh, new, some new reviews, uh, some from a while back because of the whole reporting on this we talk about this sometimes they come in late but we have some international friends who have chimed in uh argent r and these are all on apple podcasts by the way if you leave a five-star review we'll read it out on a future episode argent r in from india writes favorite podcast on the citadel indeed this podcast has been my companion through 2022 till now years after playing mass effect i am still amazed by the lore props to you both for putting it all putting in all your hard work and adding joy to our monotonous days thank you so much and take care i love i love how almost every other person who leaves a review talks about how like we help them get through their work day or those kinds of things i just love that i love that we're just we're doing good by nerding out about something you know I feel good about it anyway. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny because when I was listening to your um, Elder Scrolls lore cast, I was getting through my work day like that. Yeah. So, yeah, full that's, circle. That's how it goes. So this one is from Sergio RMZM, maybe uh, from Mexico, who writes best podcast in our cycle. Been listening to this a while and finally catch up with the recent recent episodes. Both Tom and Sam provide insightful information and commentary, and I enjoy their chemistry in the show. This is great both for newcomers and veterans of the best RPG ever made. Greetings from Mexico. Hello. I'm, I'm waving across the uh, Gulf of Mexico to you because I'm a lot closer to you than Sam is. <laughs> so we've got those and then we've got one more this one is from AJJSHD who may have chimed in previously I'm not sure if you did or if this is just a very similar name um, but I think they may have increased this to a five star review and it says this podcast is fantastic this podcast keeps me alive at work we're keeping them alive that's way more than I expected uh, and in the California traffic Ooh. you guys are amazing i love the parallels to real life history and current events thank you robots and n7 the legend for the amazing work well thanks so much and if you did update your review thank you for updating it as you've uh, enjoyed the show more um that is something that is possible so thank you for all the support if you'd like to leave a rating you can do so on spotify if you listen there or some other podcatchers if 
they have rating options and sharing us with a friend is always helpful as well but thank you to everybody who supports us we couldn't do it without all of you and now let's get back to talking about morden spit it out or are you trying to build suspense you're so dense sir obviously i do not know as much about human relationships as i thought i forgot one there's the one from israel Yes. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll it's on a it different at, page. I um, will read it at FTL speed. Okay. Okay. Um, you read so it. this is from five star review. Johnny Blitz from Israel. Love the Johnny, name, by the way. Johnny Boy? Uh, well, the title of the review is Johnny Blitz. Oh, and then oh it yes. Says in yeah. parentheses from Israel. Right. At the bottom, it says Johnny uh, Boy. It's Johnny, Johnny well, Blitz Boy. It's both. What, what's your real name? What is Johnny your real boy? name, Johnny? Um,. <laughs> It says, wanted to do this for ages now, but was too lazy. Sorry about that, guys. Where should I start? Maybe I should read this like a Solarian. Yeah. Yeah, read it like a Solarian. <laughs> Incredible podcast. I've been loving the franchise since my girlfriend, my wife for more than a decade now, bought me a gift, the first Mass Effect for PC back in 2008. That game totally messed up my time management skills in retrospective. One of the worst choices my wife ever did. Since then, I've been putting hours by hours of game <laughs> of gameplay in all games, DLCs, Legendary Edition, except Andromeda. Managed to dodge that one. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, to match the cadence, uh-huh. trying to learn as much as I can about the game and its lore. I came across this epic podcast while it was in its early stages. I immediately felt the connection with Sam and Tom, who are doing an exceptional job serving us our weekly dose of lore. Not exaggerating with crap, but sticking to things that we, the fans, truly enjoy to consume. <laughs> the Patreon episodes show just how much you guys are committed to your community and how much effort you put in this podcast. Thank you guys for so thank you guys so much for the time and effort exploring, researching and editing you put in each and every episode. Sam, you definitely are the beer buddy every guy would wish to have. Well, I don't know what that means, but thank you. <laughs> I'll have a beer with you. Tom, you can come along as well. Just kidding. <laughs> Meet me at the bar. <laughs> Thanks. P.S. <laughs> um, don't you guys think we have forgotten about the science behind Mass Effect idea after an excellent music of Mass Effect episode in a recent medicine of Mass Effect one? It's time to address the main issue of the lore or as Tom refers to it. Space magic. Space magic. The idea of bringing an astrophysicist who happens to play the game, if there is such a thing, would be amazing. So many questions and problems need to be tackled. Time dilation, for example. Anyway, from our little oasis in the Middle East, love you guys, and thank you again for a wonderful show. And no, I am not writing this from the back of my camel. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Also, Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you happen to be listening and play Mass Effect, give us a call. Let us, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Just give us a call. That was, that was a Tyson. good uh, Solarian uh, breakneck speed kind of reading. All right. Thank you. I, I tried. It was a little bit like William Shatner, too. So <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's jump back back, back into Morden here. Um, so uh, it seems like he's starting to feel something. Things are starting to change. Yeah. You know, remember how I said I think he feels a personal responsibility? Well, we see it again when we're t- taking care of Eve, the last known female, uh, fertile female, uh, Krogan aboard the Normandy. And here's a, here's part of that conversation. Aware Krogan females find scars attractive. Garrus loyal, reasonably intelligent, bit aggressive, almost like Krogan. For the third time, doctor, I'm not interested. Ah, Shepard, we were just... Are you okay? I'm fine, Rex. You can relax. Can't be too careful. Or put any faith in Solarian doctors. This one is different. Is he? What's that? Simple blood test. What kind? Kind that ends the genophage. 
Shepard, please. Distraction's counterproductive, also affecting comfort of patient. He was your inside source, Rex. You can trust him. Solarians have minds like a maze. You never know when they're leading you into a trap. Trap? Eve's release my doing. Would never have known about her if not for me. That was then. But she's out now. And if she gets hurt, I'll feel it. Understand. But my patient, my responsibility, her welfare a priority. Will not allow her to be compromised by anyone. <laughs> you got a quad, Doctor. Keep her safe. Our females have endured enough. Don't forget, still need your tissue sample. I'll be back. Common phobia. Fear of needles. Or Solarian doctors. Now have work to do. Prefer females of the species. <laughs> or Solarian doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the the snide comment there. Uh, mm. I also love Morden's clinical tone. Shepard, please. Distractions <laughs> counterproductive. Shepard, please. Yeah. Also affecting comfortability of patient. <laughs> right, Talking right. about them as if they're not right there. Right. Um, right. So, get out of, get out uh, of my office. <laughs> yeah, get out of my office. Um, don't talk to me or my patient ever again. Uh, so, so although his his perspective changes, which given his previous encounter with a female Krogan isn't too surprising, he's still very, I'll take the burden of work upon myself. Um, so that combined with his very cerebral and clinical attitude and Morden is like type A on steroids, you know, like... <laughs> he's he's maybe he prescribed himself type a steroids as opposed to type b steroids <laughs> don't take thing? the type b steroids yeah those are the ones that make you angry <laughs> these just make you snarky <laughs> yeah these 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 make you give a shit really bad um no just kidding that's x lax uh <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> I amuse myself. Wow. All right. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So it's it's during one of these conversations with Eve that we learn Morden is an auditory learner. He's actually not a visual learner. We learn this about Morden during one of these conversations, which means it helps him to say or hum things or to sing them out loud, which is why... He does this. Right, because he's a singer. Maybe with an inhibitor. No, 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 no. Entire catalyzing process would fail. Severe neurological damage. Never mind. What are you talking about? Method to extract functional cure without killing you. Many variables. Your immune system compromised. Considering options. And you have to do it out loud? Yes. Auditory learner. Need to hear self think. Simulate conversation to promote new ideas. Maximize productivity. But you're talking about me dying. Oh, apologies. Medical details causing emotional distress. I hadn't considered effect on patient. No, it just means I can't sleep. Doing my best to keep you alive. We'll avoid sensitive subjects. <laughs> we'll avoid sensitive subjects. We'll avoid talking about you <laughs> dying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Thanks. Very empathetic. Um, good, good bedside manner there, Morden. Yeah, it, clearly he cares because he's he's working himself to death about this um and yet again we we can see him taking responsibility uh which may be a sign of repentance i never thought about that before but this Mm. high level of personal responsibility that he feels to do this himself i think 
isn't just sim emblematic of his pride. It's it's I think it's a symbol of uh, a desire for atonement. Yeah, I've always I've always interpreted that as more atonement and less pride. I mean, he's clearly very prideful and he clearly knows that he has the best chance of figuring this out and fixing everything. But the reason he's doing it and working so hard is atonement. It's not because right. I'm the best. When he says had to be me, someone else might have gotten it wrong. Right. I think it's a tongue in cheek thing where he might be making fun of himself by saying that he understands he's prideful about his intelligence, but he actually wanted to do it because it had to be him. Yeah. He's the one who modified the genophage before. Right. Right. It's only right that it's him. Yeah. I think it works on a few levels. I think it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or here's another thought. What if he's doing this merely as another means to an end with the Reapers threatening all life anyway? What if Rex is justified in not trusting Morden because his mind is like a maze? Mm -hmm. And yet again, Morden is using someone and something as a means to an end. Like, like helping the Krogren repopulate in order to fight the Reapers? Yes. But wouldn't it take years? Like, they don't have years. Who knows? I mean, but I guess they don't really know. If he doesn't try, then it's they true. surely don't have Then they surely don't. I, th I think at this point, they've seen what the Reapers have done uh, and how fast they work. That a plan years in the making is, I mean, maybe that's all he's got to work on. And so that's just what he's going for. But I don't know. All the, who knows? It, it, I wouldn't doubt that in his mind, he sees that as a side benefit, but I think that there is mm. a true redemption arc happening here. He has changed as a character, and that's just a secondary benefit from doing this. It's not the primary motivation. Yeah. Knowing how smart he is, I think he realizes there's a very real possibility that they're all going to die anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and if that's the case, he wants, to, he wants to do right by the world and by the galaxy before he dies. Yes. He wants his final action to be one of good. Yeah, I think that is much more like selflessness. The, the, um, the drive for his actions. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So fast forward now to the Tuchanka mission in Mass Effect 3. <clears throat> Morden has worked tirelessly to cure this genophage, and they are returning to the planet he visited when he deployed the modified version. So this is the same planet. They're going back to Tuchanka, and as far as I know, it's the first time that he's, or the second time that he's gone back to Tuchanka since that initial mission to modify the genophage. The first time he went back was when he saw Malin there, mm -hmm. and then now he's going back to Tuchanka again. Right. And um, he's here to end it for good. I mean, it's the quintessential redemption arc um, because Malin was using these lessons as inspiration to conduct horrible lessons from Morden as inspiration to conduct these horrible experiments on a population devoid of hope and willing to try anything. And Morden is back. And it's the third time, classic, third time he's back to Tuchanka. And uh, now he's going to, he's going to put the nail in the coffin and end it for good. Um, one of the most impactful scenes that we actually talked about with the cinematic designer who worked on it right comes from the heavy renegade route where you decide to sabotage the genophage and try and stop morden from curing it you're going up there yes readings at lab suggest temperature malfunction could affect cure viability need to adjust settings manually 
It's too dangerous, Morton. We need to get out of here. No. Temperature variants could destroy Cure. Time running out. Have to go up. Morton! You're not going up. Not concerned for my safety. Concerned I might discover something. Sabotage? But whose? Ah. Why, Shepard? That desperate for Solarian aid? Or that afraid of Krogan? Every time we've talked about this before, you've defended the Genophage. Hell, I had to talk you into saving Malin's data. How can you change your mind now? I made a mistake! I made a mistake. Focused on big picture. Big picture made of little pictures. Too many variables. Can't hide behind statistics. Can't ignore new data. My responsibility. Need to go. Running out of time. Morden, walk away. Can't do that, Shepard. I don't have a choice here. Walk away or I will fire. Not your decision. Not your work. Not your cure. Had to be me. Someone else might have gotten it wrong. That's the line. And how different of a delivery it is when doing the Renegade route. And it's the Carnifex, right? That pistol that Morden gave Shepard back right. in Mass Effect 2, just like John had told us. Right. If, you, if you're listening to the audio version, this will be up on the YouTube, so you'll be able to actually look at it if you want to see it. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shepard holds up that same pistol for Mass Effect 2. But, but that line, I made a mistake. And there's this huge beat change. And then he lowers his voice and he says, I made a mistake. I was hiding behind these simulations and models and easy to hide to hide behind statistics. Right. Information on top of information, like that whole like layers and layers of stuff. Yeah. And he was preoccupying himself with analyzing all the different kinds of variables where when he finally confronted the consequences of his actions, he realized, no, I see the big picture now. And this is fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, So it had to be him. You know, he finishes that with had to be me. Someone else might have gotten it wrong. Kind of insinuating that Shepard is going to get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And what a different implication from the same exact words that are used in the Paragon route. Same scene takes uh, much of the same way. Much of the same words are used. Right. But they are delivered differently. And Morden still takes responsibility in the Paragon route. And if you play a certain way, you can hear this difference. So, so we're going to play a clip, so listen closely. Morden, is the cure ready? Yes. Loaded for dispersal in two minutes. Procedure traumatic for Eve, but not lethal. Malin's research invaluable. She's okay? Headed to safety now. Her survival fortunate. We'll stabilize new government should Rex get any ideas. Good match. Promising future for Krogan. Damn! Control room at top of Shroud Tower. Must take elevator up. You're going up there? Yes. Manual access required. Have to counteract STG sabotage. It's sure cure dispersed properly. Morton, this whole thing is coming apart. There's got to be another way. Remote bypass impossible. STG countermeasures in place. No time to adjust cure for temperature variants. No, no other option. Not coming back. Suggest you get clear. Explosion likely to be problematic. Morton, no! Shepard, please. Need to do this. My project, my work, my cure. My responsibility. Would have liked to run tests on the seashells. I'm sorry. 
I'm not. Had to be me. Someone else might have gotten it wrong. Yeah, same line, very different delivery. Very different. And it's come to my attention that not everyone who goes the Paragon route actually gets that line would have liked to have run tests on the seashells. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Which is so sad. It's so self-reflective and accepting of his fate. Right. Because he understands. Yeah, he knows. He knows he's not coming back from this. So, right, exactly. So, and so he ascends and there's this great shot, uh, like cinematic shot over Morden's shoulder with him and Shepard just looking at each other, maybe 50 yards away as he's ascending through this elevator and both of them knowing fully well that the scientist is headed to his certain death. Uh, but Shepard gives this slight proud smile uh, if you've chosen the Paragon route. And I think we see something similar from Morden contentment as he heads to the control room uh, where we get to hear him sing one last time. Yeah, Johnny Carwash in chat, that always gets me too. Uh, that scene is, man, even in the Paragon route, it's tough to watch, but the Renegade one, like John told us last week, that is a dagger in the heart. It's mm -hmm. so hard to watch. It's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, Morden's death. In some ways, I find Morden to be similar to Sidney Carton's line at the end of A Tale of Two Cities. Um, for those who read this book, uh, then you'll recognize Sidney Carton as being kind of the um, uh, forlorn, like I, I dreamed a dream of, of loving this woman, uh, but never got that chance. Um, and for those who didn't, basically, this, this man is in love with this woman and she doesn't love him. And he's kind of like a deadbeat. And there's this other guy who kind of looks like him and he is going to die. But Sidney Carton decides to take his place so that they so that they can be happy. Mm -hmm. So it's at the end of A Tale of Two Cities and and he decides to take his place because he cares more about her happiness, even if it means not being with him. So right. he decides to take the man's place in in his death in his stead and die basically for him and while he's doing this at the very end of the book he says it is a far far better thing that i do now than any i have ever done and it is a far far better rest i go to than any i have ever known and i'm pretty sure he says that while standing on the gallows yeah so yeah uh sacrifice is is potent i mean it is there's a reason why 
stories contain sacrifice is because it's it's giving the most you can and when it's redemptive that's even more powerful yeah and that's the other thing that the kind of similarity between morden and sydney carton um carton was like i said not impressive he was a deadbeat he didn't feel good anyway he didn't feel good about his life Mm -hmm. and morden clearly felt guilt about what he did and there's this final act of redemption saying it's a far far better rest that i go to than any i have ever known and i get that feeling from morden of course he's sacrificing but he knows he's leaving behind a far better world right right he can't go back and change what he did but he can do this right yeah the past is done but i still have time to do something good yeah um so the desire to leave the world feeling you've accomplished something truly good is something that I don't think every character in Mass Effect even has. Uh, and I'm not sure how many people have that in, in our world, you know? Yeah, I, I really like stories like this because, especially for a character like Morden, because he's wow. so intellectual, he's so smart and yet, and prideful, and yet he's not beyond a redemptive arc. He's not beyond getting to the point where he realizes, I made a mistake, and it says it, you know, and, and grows as a character. And we've talked about this before, the ability to say, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to do things differently. I was wrong. These are powerful things in our world. And um, it's it takes a lot of internal strength to do that. Yeah. And too often we characterize, especially now with the advent of social media, uh, uh, kind of constant public ridicule. Right. I think that we too often characterize changing your mind as admission that you were awful. Right. It's a a weakness, but the actual changing of your mind is, is actually a strength and it, and it takes a lot to do it. Right. I was just having a conversation with a family member of mine and he was bringing up a, a social issue where I think he was speaking out of malice and it was malice toward a minority group. And I just told them, look, man, you know, you can either treat people with love or hate. At the end of the day, no matter what political uh, uh, justification you want to wrap around something, you have one question to ask yourself at the end of the day. Is what I'm doing truly born out of love? And can I justify it honestly to the, mm-hmm. to myself in the mirror that way? Uh, or is it because you hate something? Right. Do you love what's behind you or do you hate what's in front of you? Right. Um, and so I, I told him that. And then he brought up, you know, this conversation between you and I, you would have totally been more sympathetic to me 10 years ago. He didn't <laughs> right. say he didn't say 10 years ago. He referenced an event that happened 10 years right, ago when right. we went on some trip. As if it's your fault for having grown and changed. And I said to him, I was like, you know, and he did say you've changed. And I said, I really hope I have like I because 10 years ago, I was like 20. Right, right. We're, we're, ne- we're never at the end of our story. The idea that like this is this, and this I think this is something that permeates American culture. It's similar to the idea that like, oh, it's a good thing I'm graduating because now I don't have to worry about learning anything ever again. <laughs> right. Like there's this undertone in our of our in our culture of like, well, I'm, you know, I'm done with high school or I'm done with college or whatever. Now I don't have to open a book ever again. I'm done learning. 
let's just move on with my right life. And that's the opposite of anything anybody should ever consider. Because if you think you're done learning in your early 20s or your late teens, then and if you're and if you're forcing yourself not to learn any anymore and learning leads to change. And if we're done changing and in our 20s, God help us, because we're all terrible at that age. And I'm sorry if you're listening right now, you're probably like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm 22 or whatever. You're going to look back in 10 years, hopefully, and go, yeah, things were pretty rough when I was 22. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I've grown past that. Like, yeah, that's it's just part of human nature. Come yeah, on. it is. And I think no one wants to admit at the moment, you know what, Tom, in 10 years from now, I'm going to look back on me right now and say I was a fucking moron. Right, right. But most <laughs> but of us can. The simple most fact of the matter is. I probably will. And like to 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 past me who who refused to accept that, I have a message. What's going on with you? What are you talking about? You sound insane. <laughs> but seriously, but about Morden, you know, I think he always knew that he was great. He was grandiose. He was the genius even among Salarians. But after that confrontation on Tuchanka all those years ago, he didn't know if he was good. Yeah. He was great, but he didn't know if he was good. Right, right. And now he knows. Right, right. I will choose. I will choose the right thing. And I, and 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 some people sometimes they their past like keeps them from doing the right thing. Well, I've already done too much wrong. I can't make up for it. That's never true. That's, you can't go back and change it. But you can always change what you're doing now. So, um, life lessons from Morden. <laughs> there you go, everybody. <laughs> Man, this has been. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the clips and the, the conversation around Morden. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, of course, join us on the Discord. Share some of your thoughts. And uh, it's time to wrap up the episode. Where are we going next week? We have an exciting topic to cover next week. It's one that people have been asking me to cover for a while. Uh, cybernetics and genetic engineering. Mass How much effect do we know about them? Punk in Mass Effect. Mass Effect Mass Cyberpunk. Punk. Mass Cyber, Cyber effect, effect Punk. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to it. You anything else you got going on? Uh, yeah, I'm not streaming this weekend, uh, but I am streaming regularly. Uh, my my neutral Shepherd playthrough, as well as uh, another full playthrough of Andromeda. I've taken a couple weeks off just because. When you're when you're working two jobs and also trying to balance a long distance relationship, sometimes you have to sacrifice some weekends. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I will be back to streaming very shortly. By the time people listen to this, they can count on streams uh, from me and you can follow me and find me on Twitch and Twitter at In7TheLegend. Awesome. Yeah, go go check out his streams. Uh, go to robotsradio.net if you're looking for other podcasts, including some other Mass Effect podcasts. We've got a bunch of different stuff. Tarfield, Starfield, Starfield uh, got a release date. It's now pushed back to September, so not a lot of surprise for a lot of people who are like, they're going to push it back again. But uh, if you want to go check out that game when it comes out and listen to the lore about that, we've got the Starfield Lorecast, which will spin back up as we get closer and have more info talk about there as well so you might enjoy that but uh thank you for being here everybody chat thank you for being here as usual i love all the conversation and um sam and i appreciate all the support so stay safe this week we'll talk to you next week about cybernetics and genetic engineering so we'll see you then bye everybody 
Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.